All right, hello, and welcome to episode 10 of the One Faith in Christ podcast. My name is Mark Smith, and I'm the gospel preacher of the Clueston Church of Christ in Clueston, Florida. I thank you so much for tuning in here. I know it's been a, about three weeks or so since I last had an episode, and I apologize for that. Uh, but um, I'm here now, and I'm so thankful that uh, you are uh, tuning in and listening in. Um, as always, to start off, if uh, you ever have any questions or comments, or if there's a topic you would like to talk about, you can always contact me at Christ at gmail.com, um, or you can uh, send a voicemail on anchor.fm, um, uh, I'm sorry, anchor.fm backslash one faith in Christ, and uh, you can leave a, a, mo- a voice message there as well. And um, as always, I will uh, leave your name uh, anonymous if it's just something you'd like to talk about a certain topic or anything of that nature. Uh, I'll be more than happy to do research on it and discuss it and um, just have a nice discussion on that. Uh, what we're going to talk a little bit about today, this is um, actually going to be a two-part episode, but we're going to be talking about uh, what is pleasing to God in worship. And it is so important that in everything that we do, that we please God. This is uh, the most important thing, is to please Him. And we're going to talk about how a lot of people believe that you can do pretty much whatever you want as long as it is in the name of God. Or uh, some people like to argue, well, if the Bible doesn't say you can't do it, then it must be okay. And we're going to see that God, of course, is not silent on anything. Um, and God tells us how he wants us to worship and the, and the things that uh, he wants us to do. Um, we'll get into a little bit on how he wants us to worship in part two, but today we're going to talk about mostly um, if there is such a thing as false worship and you know some things that we should be you know staying away from. Because after all, we need to ask ourselves, is God pleased with all types of worship? You know, many people believe that we can worship just about any way we want as long as it is done in the name of God. If this is the case, surely God would tell us since worship is such a vital part of Christian living. So what does God say? Well, you know, human beings are instinctively worshiping beings. Uh, all all cultures worship in one way, shape, or form and have uh, have since the beginning of time. Um, men are going to worship someone or something. Uh, in many cultures, uh, the uh, source of worship might be a cow or the moon or the sun or stars or uh, maybe a leader of their country, uh, such as what we see in North Korea as what happened in Rome. Or it's, of course, possible that people worship the one true God himself. So the issue then becomes what or whom and how will people worship? Will they be true worshipers or false worshipers? Or, for that matter, is there such a thing as false worship? Well, in John chapter 4 and verse uh, 23, we read this. But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. So it is interesting to note there that Jesus says the true worshipers. 
So if he's saying there are true worshipers, obviously there must be false worshipers. So what is false worship? Can the Bible really tell us how we should and shouldn't worship? You know, first of all, some believe that there is no need uh, to worship at all. In fact, uh, it is often uh, you can hear people say, I can be a better Christian at home than I can be worshiping uh, in a church building at all. Uh, They might say that God doesn't need us to worship him. Well, this, of course, ignores the fact that the Lord has commanded us to worship him. This is not uh, for his need, truthfully, but it is for man's benefit. This will give us extreme happiness. Um, In fact, if we turn in our Bibles now to uh, the Old Testament and go to Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 12 and verse 19, uh, we can read a little bit on that. Uh, So Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 12 and verse 13 reads, Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is man's all. Fear God and keep his commandments. When we do this, when we listen to God and follow his commandments, it will bring us extreme happiness. And that's what we want to do. We want to please God and we want to find happiness in ourselves and and happiness with him. And so therefore, if he tells us to worship, then we must worship. When man turns away from God, all sorts of of wickedness ensues. And so we can turn away from him, but do as he says. In Proverbs 13 and verse 15, we read a little bit more on that. Good understanding gains favor, but the way of the unfaithful is hard. Don't turn away from God. Stay with God. Listen to his wisdom, which will help us gain wisdom, and do as he says. When we stop doing those things, wickedness ensues. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that you are going to be a wicked person as far as going out and hurting other people. No, that's not the case, although it is true that people who do that have turned away from God. But wickedness is simply that which which goes against God. And so we don't want to be that type of a person. You know, it is, um, it is often um, argued that worship is simply unregulated, that God has spelled out no formula for the worship of himself. In other words, you know, one is free to improvise his own worship, to worship however he pleases, uh, which is oftentimes called will worship. Now, this is nothing new by the way. And this theory was the philosophy of King Jeroboam in 1 Kings. And if you want to start turning uh, in your Bibles to 1 Kings, um, we'll be there in just a moment. But after the division of the kingdom, King Jeroboam, I'm going to get that word out right, King Jeroboam initiated his own worship program. He authorized golden calves as representatives of Jehovah. He changed the cities of worship from Jerusalem to uh, Bethel and Dan. He selected priests that were, of course, favorable to his changes from tribes other than the tribe of Levi. And finally, Jeroboam started a religious feast on the 15th day of the 8th month. Now, 
all of these things he did without consulting God. And in fact, if you go to 1 Kings chapter 12 and verse 33, we see exactly that. If I can get to the right um, verse there. All right, in 1 Kings 12, 33, this reads, So he made offerings on the altar, which he had made at Bethel on the fifteenth day of the eighth month, and the month which he had devised in his own heart. And he ordained a feast for the children of Israel, and offered sacrifices on the altar, and burned incense. Now it's no wonder there, that um, as we're talking about this, we, we have to keep in mind, Jeroboam was not preaching or teaching about another god. Jeremiah wasn't saying, you need to worship me, or you need to worship the uh, god of cows, or the cow god, or the moon god. No. Jeroboam was saying, you still worship God, but let's do it this way. This is better for us. Now, why? whatever reasons he chose to do it that way, we don't know, but this is what he was saying. And when we look at um, you know, the way people worship today, uh, the way denominations, for instance, worship. They worship by their uh, uh, going after things that they love in their heart. And they do it because, well, they think it's more pleasing to God, but God never told us to do these things. So with Jeroboam, it's no wonder that he was chastised no less than 21 times as one who caused Israel to sin. Because after all, whenever a, a king... Uh, commands his people to do this, they believe it is right and it is good, and they will do it. So Jeroboam caused Israel to sin. Now we must remember that such examples that we have in the Old Testament were written for what reason? They were written for our learning, uh, for us to understand that we should not be doing these things. In Romans 15 and verse 4, for whatever things were written before were written for our learning that we, through the patience and comfort of the scriptures, might have hope. And so we are giving, given this example of Jeroboam because we will always have Jeroboams with us. There will always be people who say, well, you can do things the way it is shown in the Bible, but you can also do things this way. You know, just recently, and you can look this up on the internet, I didn't do a lot of uh, research on it, but I saw it on one of the morning programs of a new church that has sprung up in the last couple of years, and they call it the beer church. And they sit around and they worship God and they drink beer. And of course, well, they do this because it is pleasing to those who like beer and it is trying to encourage those who drink beer to come in and then listen to God. Is that okay? Does God ever say that that is the way we should worship? Well, we'll get more into that in part two on how we should worship, but of course, that's not the case. Most of us, we find that simply ridiculous and laughable, but yet that is what happens. Now, that's an extreme. There might be other cases that aren't so extreme, but if God hasn't told us to do these things, then we must stay away from them. Christ demanded, in fact, that true worshipers must worship according to truth. And going back to John chapter 4, and now we'll go on uh, to uh, verse 24. John 4, 24 says, God is spirit, 
and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. So what is the meaning of truth here? Uh, we might be able to get a little bit more insight if you go to John chapter 17 and verse 17, which says, Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. So what is truth? Whatever it is that God has told us. Deity must be worshipped according to the directives of the word of God. And that is what is the most important thing and what most people have gotten away from today, that we need to listen to God. God is not going to just turn things over to man and say, you do it however you want. God gave us direction and directives that we must follow. In Philippians 3.3, Paul says, For we are the circumcision we who worship God in the Spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh, following what God and Christ has said, not flesh, not what man has told us we should do. So does God tell us how to worship in spirit and in truth? Well, of course he does, as we will see in part two. So in essence here, will worship, or again, worshiping how you want, is absolutely condemned. God does not want us to worship how we want. He wants us to worship how he has commanded us to worship. If you turn in Colossians uh, chapter 2 and verses 22 through 23, Paul writes, which all concern things which perish with the using, according to the commandments and doctrines of men, these things indeed have an appearance of wisdom in self-imposed religion, false humility, and neglect of the body, but are of no value against the indulgence of the flesh. Listen to God. Now, for many men, they might sit back and say, well, I don't believe my pastor or my bishop or my pope or whoever is going to lead me wrong, is going to um, lie to me or maybe be mistaken. How do you know that? We know that not all religions can be correct. We know that not all leaders can be correct or else we wouldn't have um, at last count, there was over 30,000 different divisions uh, within the Christian belief. So therefore, if we have all these different divisions, they can't all be correct. How do we know what's correct? We turn to God's word, as Paul and as Christ said. We listen to God and what God has told us. You know, some people attempting to justify the will worship or that uh, worship is not regulated theory contend that the expression truth, as we found there in John 4, 24, means free from deceit, that that is what um, truth means. And that's not entirely the case. They deny that it denotes um, uh, conformity to a divine standard. This belief, though, is completely without New Testament teachings. The New Testament does not support this belief. The word truth, as found in John 4, 24, comes from the Greek word, um, I'll try to pronounce this, aletheia, or it is, it's spelled A-L-E-T-H-E-I-A. If you wanted to look it up in a, a 
uh, Greek dictionary. And this word means absolute truth. So in John 4, 23 through 24, uh, they're speaking to the Samaritans. And if we notice there in John uh, chapter 4, the Samaritans are not criticized for lacking sincerity or for not loving God. But what they are told is they needed to grasp the reality of the revelation that God had given them, or that complete, absolute truth. This revelation from God to man is the truth, and um, and that truth is what we need to grasp onto. And that is what we are going to look at in part two of this, of um, pleasing God in worship. The, The bottom line here today is, What is false worship? Well, that is anything that we might add or take away from his word when it pertains to worship. If we are adding something like the beer church or let's say handling snakes, those are extreme. Those are not found in worship and they are not found in the New Testament model of worship. Now, some people might say, well, how do we know how exactly how we are to worship? That's where part two is going to come in, and we'll go over those fairly quickly on the steps of worship that we must do for it to be worship. And we know this because this is what God has shown us uh, by commands, by examples, and by an inference. And these things show us how we are to worship and how we make that worship pleasing to God. Well, as always, um, I I thank you again for uh, tuning in. And if you have any questions or comments, I know um, many people who are uh, very sincere and they love God and they are trying to do what is right, they may not even understand that some things that they are doing is not authorized by the Bible. Now, always remember, these ideas and these things, they don't come from me. It is not from the gospel of Mark Smith. It is not my opinions. I am simply teaching directly from the Word of God, and that's you know what I will use. And as I said, a lot of people will say, well, uh, for instance, the beer church, well, the Bible doesn't say you can't drink beer in church. Well, that is absolutely correct. The Bible isn't doesn't explicitly say that, but we will see that God has given us these examples and these commands of exactly what we are to do during worship to please Him. And he also says, do not add from my word. And we need to listen to that. Do not add to his word. Again, it's not to my word. It's not to the Pope's word. You can add to the Pope's word, but you cannot add to God's word. So anyway, if you have any questions or comments, you can um, email me at clustonchurchofchrist um, at gmail.com. That might be changing here soon, but I'll let you know when. Or you can send me a voicemail if you go to anchor.fm backslash one faith in Christ and send a voice recording there. Um, and also check out uh, the, our YouTube channel. Uh, go to YouTube and search up Clueston Church of Christ and you'll see other lessons as well as sermons on there. And, and you can leave a message as there as well. So I thank you once again for tuning in and we'll see you next time. May God be with you.